for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. This morning, I want to introduce to you a missionary that is getting ready, God willing, if everything lines up this month, they're hoping in the next couple of weeks to begin their missionary journey, and we are a part of that. Put your hands together for Chris Hoursborn. He's going to share with you a little bit about what God is doing. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Woo, God is here. I'll tell you what, I've got to try to calm down a little bit after that. All right, so my name is Chris Osborne, um, and this is my family. Uh, I think we may have a missionary or a picture of them, but yeah, there they are. So there's my wife, Natalie. That's our eight-year-old son, Ansley, and our four-year-old daughter, Ellie. So they send your love. They are back home in our hometown of Lebanon, Missouri. Anybody know Lebanon? All right, all right, we've got some Lebanonites here. All right, so yeah, that's my hometown. So that's where I was born and raised, you know, grew up in a Christian home. Um, same with my, my wife, but at that point in our life, um, we thought, you know, salvation and baptism, that was, that was the boxes you had to check. And so we did that at a young age and uh, really never had experienced, you know, an act of faith, walking in a life full of faith. And so uh, when we went to college, um, we kind of put God on the back burner, to be honest. Um, you know, at that point, God hadn't called us into ministry, and honestly, I wasn't seeking his advice anyway. So... Um, I got an engineering degree, uh, my wife did interior commercial design, and we launched off into those careers. We weren't going to church, uh, like I said, we weren't living, living for the Lord. Um, I was an engineer for John Deere, my wife was designing commercial buildings, and we were, you know, chasing that, uh, quote, American dream um, of always needing more. We needed, you know, we had to get the nice house, and we had, had nicer cars, and then a bigger house, get made more money. You know, we were just doing that, and we found the, the more and more stuff we got and the more and more status that we gained in society's eyes, um, it was, that happiness was fleeting. There was no joy in that. It, there, it was just empty. And we were empty, empty spiritually. And so um, on the surface, when we had everything that people said we needed to be happy, underneath we were hurting. It was the lowest point in our life. We were asking these deep, that deep question of, is this all life is? It's just endless cycle of more, more, more. And uh, luckily, even though we had our backs turned to God and we're running away from him, uh, we had a gracious Savior. And uh, he, was still, he still had a plan for our life. And uh, in that, we felt him say, this, this is not the life I have for you guys. And so with that, we're like, hey, we need to, we need, maybe we need to go back to church. And, and all honestly, at that point in our life, we, that was a last-ditch effort. Like, hey, nothing else had worked. Let's try this out. And so we went back to church. It had been probably eight years since we had stepped foot in a church. And I just remember walking in there and just feeling peace. I didn't know, couldn't describe it. I just felt peace and joy. Everybody around us was happy, like genuinely happy. And we're like, this is what we've been trying to find. And then we'd found it, you know. And so we went, we, we left after that first service. And we're like, all right, this is, this is what we're, we've been missing. We went back the next Sunday and rededicated our life. And uh, that was about eight years ago. And so for us, we wanted to, we're kind of practical people. We're like, well, what does that mean for us? And so that we committed to each other and to God that this we're stepping into a season of giving God our yes. So every decision that came up, every opportunity that came up, we were going to ask God, is this something that you want for us? Is this going to move us closer to you or not? And uh, so one thing led to another, and, and initially for us, that was just serving at the church. It was taking a small step just as that, that wherever, whenever the church was open, we were there because that's where we felt God. And then we began to see him working in our life. We got offered uh, 
opportunities to come on staff then at the church, which was just kind of mind-blowing. I tried to talk them out of it for the first 30 minutes because I'm like, I didn't go to Bible school. I, I didn't come from, I'm first generation in ministry, first generation AG, first generation everything. I'm like, are you guys sure that you want me to come on staff and be a pastor? And it was a really pivotal moment because as I was telling him, like, I'm an engineer, I went to school, like, this is who I am. He just stopped and said, you've, you've, you've got to quit saying that. He's like, you no longer identify by your education or what you've done. You're a child of God and you're serving him, you're serving the church, you're serving his people. He's like, that's what ministry is. And... Uh, you know, that was a good, you know, Holy Spirit speaking to me moment. Like, you're right. You're right. And so we said, yes, like we're in, you know, giving God our yes. We're saying yes. So we jumped in and went on staff, both of us, at a, at a church. And, uh, you know, we had to give up. Um, that was kind of like a big sacrifice moment for us. I went from an engineer to a pastor on staff. And we had to go, <laughs> go through a little bit of adjustment, get a little bit uncomfortable. But we, but we never lacked. And God was faithful through that whole season. And to be honest, we thought that was our big God story, that God had moved us into ministry. You know, we had laid down everything that we had achieved on our own in this life at the cross to pursue a life with him and found so much more joy and happiness. But, you know, as the Bible says, more than we can ask or imagine, right? Well, that was our story because then he called us into missions. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was my reaction exactly when we felt God calling us into missions, like, Really? It's like, I didn't even feel qualified to be a pastor on staff. Now you want me to go to Spain and, uh, for you? And his answer was yes. And so we are fully appointed missionaries heading over to Spain. And it has been uh, a little bit of a crazy last year for us, uh, itinerating, raising funds through this. But God has been so faithful. And we are right there. Um, we actually, this Wednesday, we go to Chicago to meet with the Spanish consulate to start the visa process. And so we'll go over there for three years. It was our first term. And, uh, yeah, so guys, yeah. So we've been able to raise our funding through this. We've had some amazing people come alongside us, amazing churches. You guys, one of them, just, you know, just feeling your support, your prayers has been so encouraging to us through this season. Um, we know it's a tough season for everybody. And uh, so please be praying on Wednesday. Everything goes well with that interview. Um, we'll have about two to four weeks before we get approval of our visas, and then we'll move over there. So what we'll be doing over there is, is Spain and, and Europe in general is a very secular society. Um, you know, a post-Christian society is another common term. They think that they've moved past the gospel, past the Bible. It has no rel relevancy for their life. It can't do any good for them. And that kind of is a season we walked through when we had our back turned to God. We were, we were in a secular season pursuing worldly happiness. So we feel like God's called us to this society to be able to give our testimony. Say, hey, guys, we've, we've been in the season you all have been in. And just let me tell you, there's so much more in a life living with Christ and a relationship with him than this world could ever offer. And so that's, that's going to be our main focus, using that platform and our testimony to go out into Spain and, and Barcelona. We'll be in, stationed in Barcelona to, to share the gospel to a society that's turned his back on him. And uh, so we are, we're just so grateful um, that God's called us. And, and one thing I like to encourage people with that is this all started right where you guys are sitting for us in the pews and we said we're giving God our yes and it was a, and the yes it was just small at the time like I said just serving in the church but that led one thing to another where God began to build our faith and build a relationship with him so when he said hey I want you to move your family to Spain we could say yes and so I just encourage you guys give God your yes in an active way ask him what is it you would want me to do because 
over these last eight years, while he's built our faith, we've had to put ourselves in some uncomfortable situations, but that's where God, we've seen God show up. And so, guys, we just ask you to pray for us. You know, like I said, you guys, you all at the church are supporting us, and so be a part, give God your yes in, in, in the Great Commission, in being a part of missions, by actively taking part in missions here at the church. And, you know, if you want more information about what we're doing, how to stay connected with us, uh, we've got a table out there, you have a prayer card, and uh, because we can always use prayers, because that's what's going to make it happen. And uh, so, Pastor, just thank you for this opportunity to share. This is just an amazing church. This is one thing I love getting to do during this itineration season is getting to worship with everybody, the church across, all across America. So, guys, thank you so much uh, for having me today. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Again, if you want more information about the Hoursborns, if you want to connect with them a little bit more, uh, they do have a table out there. And what Chris didn't tell you is in this process, um, they sold everything that they owned. They've been living out of a trailer for how long? So the last 14 months sold their house, their cars, everything that they could. And so when he says they were uncomfortable, like he was willing to do whatever it took to answer the call of, of God, and that's really what it's all about. And so I'm excited that our church gets to partner with them, that every month we'll be supporting them as they begin this journey. Like we get to walk out these first steps together. So if you want to do uh, something extra for them, you can do that. Like talk to them in the back. But I'm excited that we get to be a part of new callings. And as we get to come in alongside of people that have been on the mission field for a while, like it's great to give them some new energy. And it's also great to jump in with new and fresh starts. So I'm excited to be a part of what God is going to do through the hours borns in Spain. I can't wait to see what God does. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Mel and I went for her birthday to Branson, Missouri. And it's weird because, like, Branson has never been this vacation destination for us. But it seems to be, like, a place that we visit quite a bit now. Um, whether that's the, the virus or whether Branson just now is, is way better than it was when I was a kid. Um, but we're on our way down driving. And in the middle of our drive, we began to hear this dinging noise. And if you have an iPhone and an Apple Watch, there's this really cool feature where if you've misplaced your phone, you can ping your phone and it makes this dinging sound. Well, let me see if I can do it to my phone right now. We kept hearing that sound over and over and we're in this car and we're like, oh, my phone's here, my iPad's here, my computer's here. So Mel, Mel's sitting in the back and so she's digging through all of the stuff in the car like, what is making this noise? She grabs my backpack and she goes, it's your backpack making this noise. Like, there's no way my backpack's making that noise. Everything is here in the car. So I'm looking to see where all my devices are. Everything is with us, right? And so she reaches in and pulls out the culprit. It's our worship leader, Chris's phone, in my backpack. <laughs> and so it, it was so funny. We're, we're looking at it it's like, oh, my gosh, what in the world? The problem with that is we were almost to Harrisonville by the time that we realized whose phone this was. So I FaceTime Chris, let him know, look, hey, 
No one's playing a joke on you because he thought someone was playing a joke, like took his phone, and I'm not sure if they were going to be friends after that, if someone would have actually been playing a joke on him. But I also wanted to let him know that it hasn't been stolen. It wasn't going to end up on eBay later that night. Like no one was running south with it. Uh, we, we left it at a quick trip for him, and he picked it up. And that was a huge step of faith because once we FaceTimed and he jumped in his car, he had no way to know, is that where the phone actually was going to be? And, and we, we made it all work. It was, it was a good deal. And as we, as we got into that, like it made me think about this. Like when you lose things, like that is a horrible, horrible feeling. Like, it's, it's so wild. Like, it's the worst. And there are a few things that will make you stop in your tracks, like losing something that's important to you. Whether that's your phone, for some of us, like, that is our life. Everything valuable is, fits in our hand. For some of us, that's our keys or our wallet. Like, when those are gone, time stands still. We will be late for things because we are looking. We will tear up our perfectly clean house to find that thing that is lost. We will throw pillows across the room. We will look underneath cushions. And then that, that lets loose a whole other thing like, wait, what's, what is this? Sometimes we're happy because we find some change in the, in the couch cushions. We put that in our pocket. And then other times it's like there's a Cheeto in here. Do you think that's edible still? Some of you will eat that Cheeto just to know whether or not it's edible. You look under the couch. You've never looked under your couch since you put it in your living room. And then as you're looking, like you're thinking, everywhere you look, you saw your thing there. Like, I know for sure it was right here. The last time I had my phone, it was here. The last time I saw my wallet, it was here. You're checking the refrigerator. You're looking all over the place because when you need it, you need it. And we find that some things are irreplaceable. And for some of us, it's like, well, maybe not those things, but I know I've lost my checkbook before. Those of you that still use a checkbook, you know the panic that's like, man, my account number is out there. There are people that are going to take my stuff, and, and they're going to make a better version of my credit than what I already have. And some of you are like, good luck trying to open another account with my credit. But we look at that. I've closed and opened many bank accounts from losing checkbooks. We're not even going to talk about the moments that we've lost our kids' places. We would just leave that for another week. That feeling of panic reminds us that not everything is replaceable. Because it's in some cases when we lose things, we're like, I'll just get another one. It's not that big a deal. But every now and then there are those things that we feel like nothing can replace that. And we will give up our time, our energy, our sanity trying to find those things. We have to find them. And if we feel like that about certain things in our lives, imagine, imagine how God feels. That God feels even more passionately about people that are lost. That the desperation that he has in his heart when people are lost multiply past what you and I feel about things that are important to us. And when we talk about what matters most, God continues to answer the question with people. People matter. People are important. And this morning I want to talk to you about this one thing that the search is on. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the moments that we get to spend together in your word. 
And God, I pray that your word would sink down into our hearts, that it would challenge us and it would change us. This morning, God, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts. You would remind us of what matters most. Lord, you would make us uncomfortable this morning that your heart for people that are lost would become our heart for people that are lost. Lord, you would no longer allow us to sit idly by while people are far from you. Lord, we ask that you would do something in our hearts today because of our time together in your word. I ask that you would anoint me to communicate your word clearly and effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, part of our mission here at the church, if, if you look in the lobby, you will see um, these real big, this real big vinyl sticker on the outside that says, we exist to reach with courage, restore with love, and release with faith. Man, I got stuck when I came up with it. And today I just want to talk to you for a little bit about the first portion. Because if people matter, if God is concerned, if he is searching, if he is relentless in his search, then we need to be willing to reach people with courage. We need to be willing to move past our own insecurities and our own fears. Pastor, that's somebody else that can share the gospel because, you know, I, I don't know what, what I would say. Or what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? You know, Pastor, I don't have any, you know, I don't know the Bible like you do. So what if they ask me to look up a verse that I don't, I don't even, what if I make up a verse or a book that's in the Bible? What if I don't measure up? You know, a lot of times we, we put all of these fears in front of our faith and they seem like we can never overcome them. But God is asking us this morning to reach with courage that we would have the faith to step past all of those so that we can do what God is asking us to do. Now, what does that look like? I'm glad that you asked. So turn to your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 15 as we look at what the search looks like. We're going to start with verse 1, and then we're going to fast forward. As you get there, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I love how this chapter starts, to be honest with you. We find Jesus in a familiar spot, in trouble with the religious people. They're upset about who he's with. They're upset about him extending grace and forgiveness to them. You see, these were people that should be stepped over and not sat by in the religious people's view. And I love that Jesus, in these moments where he's sitting by them, instead of stepping over them, he's showing us that God is willing to be with us right where we are right now. That it, it doesn't take us getting things together. He cares about us so much that I don't have to clean myself up to get to him that he's willing to come to me wherever I am. Time and time again, we see Jesus do this. In, in Luke chapter 5, same scenario. They're mad at Jesus for who he's hanging out with because he's having dinner with them. It's not just like they're going to McDonald's and splitting a 10-piece chicken nugget. They're not doing that. Jesus is spending quality time with them. In his day, that was a symbol that these could be his people, that these would be even his friends. And the religious people were so upset at that. And so as they were mad and, and, and telling him that he couldn't sit with these people, he couldn't be with them, he looked at them and he said, well, wait, if you need a doctor, 
are you healthy or are you sick? Because I think that it's the sick people who need the doctor. And that's exactly what I plan on doing. In Luke 19, he says this, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That even though they were upset that he was spending time with people who were less than and undesirable, Jesus is saying, look, this is the reason why I came. These are the people who need me to sit by them. They need help. They need someone to find them. And that's exactly what I plan on doing. And in these stories, we have to remember that we were the people sitting at the table with Jesus. That there was a point in time that other people were upset that Jesus would care about us. That they complained that we could turn our lives around. We didn't deserve the grace that God was giving us. We need to remember that so that we don't become the people that feel like somehow we are now the judge of who gets Jesus' time and his grace. We were the sinners sitting at the table And as Jesus hears them complaining, he tells them three stories. And as he shares these stories, I believe that he didn't just tell one story to drive home his point. He told three, hoping not just to prove a point and win an argument, but hoping to impact their hearts. So let's take a look at the story of the lost coin. If you'll skip down with me to verse 8, Luke 15, verse 8. He had just told the story of the lost sheep. And then he says this, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And so we see Jesus moving from the story about a lost sheep to now this story about a lost coin. One coin. Just one. Sometimes as I read this story, Maybe you're, you're probably not like me because I read this and I'm like, it's a coin. Keep moving on with your life. It's not that big a deal. Like you have nine other coins. You can still buy the things that you need. You can do the things that you need to do. Like it's not that big a deal. It didn't seem like it mattered. For me, I keep moving. If I lost a quarter right now, I wouldn't be like, man, where is it? It wasn't, it's not that big a deal. But her response Her response to losing that one coin wasn't like it didn't matter, which begs us to ask the question, could there be more to this story? Could there be something special about this coin that maybe we're missing? Maybe it just wasn't any coin. And we don't know this, but there there was a specific number given a specific kind of coin that we were told that she missed. And back in Jesus' day, a woman that was married would wear a headband that would have 10 silver coins attached to it. And this headband that she wore was a symbol of the relationship, of the commitment that she was in. It let the entire world know that she was married. She was no longer single. She was claimed. She had a family. She had a husband. And there would be no way that she would ever walk into public with nine out of ten on that headband. She wouldn't even think about doing that. She wouldn't. It was unimaginable. She couldn't come up with the right excuse to make that okay. And so what do we see her do? She begins to look over and over, even though we know what that coin is worth. We can look and say, oh, that coin is worth a day's wage. But she is looking for it like it is worth so much more. And I believe that Jesus does this to remind each and every one of us that our worth is determined by the owner, 
our worth is determined by the creator. So many times we look at people and we think they don't measure up to worth in our minds. But Jesus reminds us with this story that worth is determined by the owner. It's determined by the one who spent time creating us. And we struggle with this. Some of us may not want to admit that we've struggled our entire life with value. But we don't see it in ourselves even when God sees it. Some of us continue over and over to struggle. Some of us have had thoughts like, you know what, if I wasn't here, no one would care. No one would miss me. If I don't come to church, no one's going to care. If I don't show up to work, no one's going to care. I don't really matter. If I wasn't around, everybody would probably be better off. We struggle knowing our worth. Because somehow we've confused our worth with who we are and what we do. But God knows our value because he put it there. He knows our worth because he created it with us. He loves us. He values us. And guess what? When we are lost, he's not going to sit idly by and just stand there and wait. You matter so much to him that when you're apart from him, when you are walking away from him, he doesn't just stand there and say, well, see you tomorrow. He doesn't stand there. He does this. He begins and will always search. He will search. What does the story say? The woman lost her coin and she began to search. She searched her house just like you and I would search our house for lost things. She began to search her house relentlessly. Now, the house that she would have been in would have been dimly lit. There would have been only sunlight coming in from a doorway, maybe one small window. And she started her search by shining a light. Because she didn't have enough light to find all of the areas that the coin might just be in. She didn't just look where the light already was. She brought light to places that didn't have any. She would go into the shadows and into the corners. She would have looked behind things. She would have looked under things. Wherever there was darkness, she knew that if she brought the light, there was a chance that maybe she would find that coin. She was looking intently at every little piece. Is it glimmering? Do I see a little, just a, a small piece of that coin, she was hoping that it would glimmer with that light. Can I tell you that as we search, that we need to shine, that we need to be having our lights on. We should be taking our lights into the shadows and into the corners where people need it the most. If the only place you use your light, if the only place that you shine your light is in this room, you are misusing the light that Jesus has trusted you with. It doesn't shine when the light is all around. Light is best used in the middle of the darkness to show people there can be a way out, to give them hope, to point in the direction that God is asking them to move. We need to not stand still. We need to be moving with our light, just like this woman was. She didn't stand in the middle and say, light, come out. Come out, coin. Where are you at? I got this light now. No, she moved into the shadows and into the corners. So guess what that means we should be doing? Moving and shining our light and looking in places that other people haven't been looking. Our light was meant to shine in the dark. You're supposed to be shining your light at Target in the line when someone cuts in front of you. You're supposed to be shining it at the gas station, in your neighborhood, in your driveway, while you're driving, in conversations with strangers, at family reunions, wherever you go, your light should be shining. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Everywhere there is darkness, it is our job to bring the light. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that we are 
the light of the world, that we are a symbol of hope, so we should not be staying still and asking people to come to us. We need to search and go find them with the light that Jesus is giving us. And as we shine our light, here's the next thing that we need. As we search, we need to be willing to sweep. As we search, we need to sweep. We have to be willing to sweep the house. The lady in the story, she begins to look, and it says she grabs her light, and then she starts sweeping the house. Now, some of you have maybe not swept your house ever. Some of the kids are like, what do you mean? I got a vacuum cleaner. I'll use that. I don't know. I can't tell you the last time I swept the floor in my house. But when this lady sweeps, let me paint this picture for you. It's not the same flooring that you and I have at our house. She would have had a dirt floor, and there would have been stones that would have been on the ground, and they would have probably been uneven. And as she began to sweep, a couple of things would have been happening. She's sweeping up dust. That means whatever clothes she had on was more than likely going to get dirty. And as she would sweep the dust from one area, she'd bring the light in and search for the coin. And as she was sweeping, she's also listening. Is the coin going to hit one of those stones and make that noise that lets you know that's exactly where it is? Are you willing to sweep a little bit? Are you willing to get your life just a little bit dirty for someone that is lost? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen to the conversations in the break room? Are you willing to hear the hurt and the pain in their voice? Are you willing to listen for cries of desperation, cries for help? Are you willing to listen to the sound of the coin on the floor as you sweep? You see, as we listen... It helps us as we get closer, but as we get closer, guess what? We're going to need to get a little bit dirty. Can, I'll be honest with you. Finding lost people, finding lost coins is going to require you to be willing to give up some things. This woman was willing to give up her time to look for what was most important to her. Guess what? You're going to have to, I'm going to have to give up some of my time in order to look for lost people, in order to spend time having conversations. I'm going to have to sacrifice something because that's what Jesus did to find me. He sacrificed everything he had to get to me. So guess what I need to be willing to do? I need to be willing to sacrifice to find someone else. I need to be willing to grab the light and move around and cross around on the floor and listen to people's conversations and actually get into their life. It may be messy, but Jesus was not afraid of my mess. So why should I be afraid of someone else's? If I'm the light that Jesus is using to reach into the darkness, then I have to be willing to get dirty. I have to be willing to make the dust come up just a little bit. I have to be willing to give up my lunch time. It may cost money for me to take someone to lunch to share the gospel with them. And money well spent. It always, it will always cost. Let's be a people that will always pay. No matter what it is, if it's our time... Whatever the cost. For us as a church, it may lead us to doing church differently. You see, we've kind of um, gotten used to how things work and move, and this is what church is. It has these elements. It happens at this day and this time. What if God asks us to change that? 
We have to be willing to sweep the house. We have to be willing to add a service if that's what God would want us to do. We have to be willing to change some things, to reach people that need to know Jesus. We may even need to rethink how we do everything, but that's okay because if this is what God is asking us to do, it's what matters most to him. I have to be willing to sweep the house. I have to be willing to look underneath some things, to turn some things upside down to find the lost coin. The search never stops. The search, it never stops. We're not told how long it takes this woman to find a coin, but we're told that she searches until it's found. The search, it never stops. It's not easily found, but the search is relentless. It's, it, this is one thing that, that I want you to make sure you know today. It'll turn up is never the heart of God. Ah, uh, you know, well, I'll find it eventually. No, 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 that's not the heart of God. Look at the story again. She grabs a light. She sweeps the house until she finds the coin. So when people are lost, God isn't just sitting back saying, well, sometime, at some point they'll, you know, maybe they'll come around sometime. They'll turn up. Their heart will change. Well, maybe so. No, you know what he does? He looks for people like Chris Oursborn who's willing to give up everything that he has to give up his job, his place that he lives, to give up all the comfort, to be willing to go to a place that needs the light, to a place that needs to hear about Jesus. He will keep looking. He will keep loving even if we never respond. Even if that lost coin doesn't ever want him to find it, he will keep looking. And that's some of our stories. We can talk about that, about the amount of time we ran from God, that we didn't want anything to do with him, and he never once gave up on you. He never once gave up on me. He never called off the search. He loves you too much. He can't help but to search for you. So guess what that means for us? We will search until people are found. We will continue to reach with courage. We will continue to try new ways and new avenues to draw people into relationship with Jesus. We will try different ways to reach out into our community. We will do whatever it takes because the search never stops. Check this out. Verse 9 says, and when she finds it, she will call in her friend's and neighbors and say rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels even when one sinner repents Jesus begins to make this story full circle he talks about the lost coin. He talks about the heart of the woman that represents the heart of God as they're looking for the coin. And when that coin is found, when it's found, whenever whatever was lost, when it becomes found, it's always a time to celebrate. It's always a time to celebrate. And, and I love this because when the woman finds the coin, I, I never really thought about this until this week. When she found the one coin, she threw a party that was worth more than that one coin. That's how important that coin was. She invited people all around her, people that she knew, people that she didn't know. Why? Because she found what was lost. It was important to her. She wanted to celebrate that fact, and she wanted people to celebrate with her, to find joy in her finding what was lost, to find joy in now knowing that the coin was back in its rightful place. 
And I love thinking about this, that the coin was probably dirty from being on the floor. It may have even got scratched up as it hits the floor and, and it bounces around in the house. But that didn't stop her from picking that coin back up, wiping it off, placing it right back where it belonged, putting it right back on display for the world to see so that other people could look at that coin and say, huh, was that the one that was lost? It sure was. Guess where it is right now? It's right where it should be. I can wear it proudly. I can show you the symbol once again of the relationship that has been restored, the commitment that has been made. There's hope for us. And I love that this is how Jesus ends this story. Because it shows us that God can't keep his excitement about finding people to himself. That the heart of God is so overjoyed. His love for people, his excitement, his joy fills all of heaven. And you can't help but begin to celebrate with him. Have you ever been around someone that when they're happy, that makes you happy? God's heart begins to fill all of heaven as people come back into relationship with him. As lost people are found. And there is so much joy that the angels begin to get excited. And one excitement leads to someone else getting excited. And they begin to look down. What are we celebrating? Why are we so happy? Oh, nothing, nothing important. Just lost people being found. Unpeople, unloved people finding love once again. Hopeless people finding hope. People that were dead in their sins now finding life in Christ. They didn't have direction or purpose, but now they do. And we can celebrate when they're found. We can also celebrate that Jesus has invited us into this search. He's invited us to be a part of finding lost people. And this invitation isn't to be an observer. This isn't even an invitation to cheerlead other people that are willing to go. This is an invitation to go and to search. Jesus has called each of us. He's empowered each of us. He's equipped each of us to do exactly what he's asking us to do, to join in the search, to shine your light, to be willing to sweep and look for people and listen for people. And I just want you to think about it for a moment as, as God pulls you into that. It's not just, are you willing to pay the price? But he wants you to see the other side of that. That child that you've been praying for, that son, that daughter, that grandson, that granddaughter, your best friend, your coworkers. Can you imagine the celebration, the love that is happening in heaven as you find lost people, as you walk them back into relationship with Jesus, that you were part of the search and now you get to celebrate that they're home. That as heaven is rejoicing, you get to be a part of all of that. And maybe you came here today and you've been feeling a little out of place. You haven't been feeling like you get that you're valuable. You feel more lost than found. You feel like life has made you see that you're more dented and scratched and scuffed up. The shine is all but gone from your excitement for life. But in this story, we, we see that lost and dented 
and scratch coins are still valuable. That God still knows that they are important. Lost didn't change the fact that Jesus left heaven and came to this earth and traded places on the cross for our sins, for my sin, for your sin. Us being lost didn't change the fact that he was willing to give his life for us and he was willing to defeat death and offer us a life that we could never imagine before. All because we were worth the search. Whatever the price was for him to search for you was worth it. He was willing to sit next to you when other people stepped over you. Today he wants to remind you that you're valuable to him. Maybe, just maybe, he set all of today up so that you would see a light, so that you would respond to his voice, so that you would welcome him back into your life for the first time or the hundred and first time. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? The Bible tells us that not only did Jesus want to spend time with people while he was here on the earth, Revelation tells us that in moments like this, he stands at the door of our heart and knocks. And if we open our heart to him, he comes in to be a part of us, to claim us. And this morning, I wonder if, if there are people here that need to say, you know what, Jesus, you can have it all. That I don't have the answers that I thought I did, that I can't figure things out. I need you today. So I want to pray a prayer. And as I pray, if you agree with me while we are praying, while I say this prayer, if you say this out loud, if you whisper it, if you say it in your heart, Jesus will meet you today. And everything can change in a moment. As I pray this prayer, if you need Jesus, would you pray it with me? Jesus, I open my heart to you today. I want to be found. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me life. Come into my heart. I give you control of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you every day for the rest of my life. Give me a new heart, a new mind, and direction. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look up at me. Because in, in a moment, I'm going to ask for you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning and meant it. Because there's a celebration that's already begun that I want to participate in. If you chose Jesus this morning, when I count to three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. And as a church, I want you to lift your voices and celebrate that we want to be the people that as lost people are found, we are standing to our feet. We are shouting with them and we are celebrating the fact that the one that Jesus had been looking for has been found. So one, Jesus loves you. Two, you will never be the same. Three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Come on, let's stand to your feet and lift your voice.
prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.